Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I'm continuing my teaching on spiritual warfare. Last two weeks, I started teaching on the fact that if you are a child of God, you are in a warfare. The Bible describes us as soldiers because there's an enemy out there who has decided to engage you in, in a fight. It's a fight you didn't ask for, but you need to fight it. And so the Bible teaches us that we should put on the whole armor of God. The armor is the attire of a soldier, how to dress in such a way that you are able to fight well on the battlefront, the armor of God. And uh, the armor of God has seven parts. Somebody can remember some of them. Let me be sure I didn't just talk last week, the whole day for nothing. Let's start from the head to the feet. The helmet is what? Of salvation. That means think like a child of God. Think like somebody who is saved. So your thought patterns, because your, your mind is Satan's battleground. He throw a lot of negative thoughts at you every day. Okay, from the helmet, the next one is what? The breastplate is what? Righteousness. See yourself as righteous because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Not righteous because of your good deeds, but righteous because the finished work of Christ on the cross made you righteous the day you gave your life to Jesus. And that is what protects your conscience. The breastplate is to protect your chest and your back so that no attacks against your conscience, your confidence. You know, one of Satan's great weapons is accusations, accusations. And if you don't put on the breastplate, accusations alone will paralyze all your, your confidence and make you unable to fight effectively and defeat the devil. From the breastplate, the next one is what? The belt of truth. Truth simply means the knowledge of God. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You need to be knowledgeable. You need to know the word of God. You need to know scripture. If you are ignorant, you will suffer defeat in the hand of Satan. The Bible says that for lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. So when you are ignorant, you become easy casualty for Satan. That is why Satan hates to see children of God pursuing the knowledge of the truth. That's why if you take the Bible to read, he'll make you feel sleepy. That's why if you are listening to preaching, he'll make you feel sleepy. That's why if there's a seminar, he'll make you not feel like going. But if it's a prophetic meeting, he, he tells you go. Oh, yeah. Because you gain more at a seminar than in a prophetic meeting. A prophetic meeting only tells you what, what you are going to be in the future. But how to become what you are supposed to be in the future, a prophetic meeting can never teach you that one. It takes the thematic teaching of the principles of God for you to know how do I become all that God wants me to be. And if Satan will have his way, he never wants you to know all it takes to become all that God wants you to be. That is why Satan hates churches that teach the truth. He encourages churches that compromise on the truth. There are churches you go, I mean, he just pray for you. There's no proper teaching of the word of God that builds people up and builds people's, you know, relationship with God 
And so the truth is very important. That is what keeps your whole spiritual life together. So the belt of truth also means that you yourself, you must be a truthful person. That means you must not only know the principles of God, but you must be able to apply them in a way and manner that makes your life a sincere and an honest one, the belt of truth. So we have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and then what next? The shield, the shield is what? Our faith. The shield is our faith. Faith is like a shield. It blocks all the arrows of the enemy from hitting us. So if your faith is not in place, you are vulnerable. You are open to the arrows of Satan. So the shield is our faith. Then the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword? The spoken word, not the written word. The written word is not a sword. The one you take and you speak is the sword. So quoting scriptures every day, confessing the word of God every day is an offensive weapon in spiritual warfare. So the word of God must be in your mouth. Joshua 1, is said, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth. It must not depart from your mouth. Yeah. And then, last but one, our feet, the sandal. What is the purpose of the sandal? To protect the feet from the heat of the sun and also from any harmful objects on the ground. But the Bible says that the sandal in us, on our spiritual armor is what? Preparation of the gospel. That means readiness to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, and to support the spreading of the gospel. Because part of spiritual warfare is going into the camp of the enemy and delivering people who are in bondage so that they will know Christ. It's part of spiritual warfare. So everywhere we find ourselves, we have to be looking for the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. Everywhere we are, we have to do our best to support any avenue that is bringing across the gospel to people. Never stand in the way of the spreading of the gospel anywhere in your life. When you do that, you are depriving yourself of the necessary covering that God must give you in your spiritual warfare. You see, it doesn't have to be your church. Anytime you see anybody somewhere preaching the gospel, and I, and I mean preaching the gospel, not just saying anything, preaching the gospel, doing something to bring salvation to people, don't hinder the person. Be an encouragement to the person. Be an encouragement to the person. If you have any means, support what the person is doing. It's a blessing. And the last one is what? Praying. Prayer. Prayer is part of spiritual warfare. But many people, when they say spiritual warfare, all they know is prayer. Prayer is just one of the, the things that makes you effective in warfare. Prayer is only one out of seven. So other things must be in place before your prayer can destroy things. All right. Today I'm teaching on the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan. In Matthew 12, 25 to 26... The Bible says that, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom 
stand. So when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, Jesus alluded to the fact that Satan has a kingdom. He said, how will his kingdom stand if he is the same person who is casting out demons? So Satan has a kingdom. Once the Bible makes us understand that we are in spiritual warfare, it has become necessary for us to know a lot about Satan and his kingdom because ignorance about who Satan is and how he operates can give him advantage against you. In fact, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says that we don't need to be ignorant of his devices. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Apostle Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices. And I want you to know today that you too, you must not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Because when you become ignorant of his devices, he takes advantage of you. That is why um, we are studying today, so that you can become more and more aware of who the devil is, and you become more confident at how to handle all his works and attacks against your life. So the important question today is, who is Satan? Who is Satan? We'll go to the book of Ezekiel 28, and we get an answer there. Ezekiel 28, from verse 12. Ezekiel 28, from verse 12. It says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, that says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, when you read this scripture, when you start reading this scripture, it sounds as if the prophet was giving prophecy about a person. But when you read further, you realize that there are more things the prophet said that have nothing to do with a human being. It has to do with a spiritual personality. And it's important for us to understand that when prophets are prophesying, there is something called prophetic terminologies. Prophetic terminology means that prophets speak sometimes in coded languages. Sometimes it needs a lot of clarification and understanding for you to be able to get what the prophet is saying. So it starts by saying, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre. Tyre in Bible days was a city that existed. But when you begin to read, and I'm going to make us all read it and see what I'm trying to say, okay? So he said, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty, okay? Verse 13, you were in Eden. Now you know that the Garden of Eden, there were only three people that ever stayed there, isn't it? First person you know was what? Adam, then Eve, then the serpent. So you see immediately that this scripture was not actually talking to a physical king, but a personality that probably was the one who empowered the king to rule. Because in those days, most of the kings, I mean, were in covenant with, you know, Satan and all that. Yeah, so he said, you were in Eden, the garden of God. So that we will not say, oh, maybe there was another Eden somewhere. So the Bible was very emphatic of what kind of Eden he was talking about. The garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the day you were created. So this personality that the prophet was prophesying about, I'm sure he, he saw visions. So he was describing what he saw in a vision. It's a created being, all right? It was a created being, okay? Verse 14. 
You were the anointed cherub who covered. That is where we begin to see that it was referring to an angel. Because the word cherub is the name of a particular kind of angel. Now, next year, I'll be teaching on angels, and I'll let you know there are four different kind of angels. The first one is what we call, they call the living creatures. The living creatures. None of the prophets gave any name to them, so they, were, they are called living creatures. They stay in the presence of God, and they worship, and they do all that. Very powerful. Then we have what we call the cherubims. Cherubim is the plural for cherub. The cherubs are very powerful angels, and they stay only in the presence of God. And their work is to protect the throne of God. Yeah, that's all they do. They are very powerful. More powerful than any angel that you've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, talk about Michael and all those things are much lower than the cherubs. Now, next to the cherubs, what we call the seraphs. The seraphs, which plural is seraphims. Those of you read Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, you came across seraphims. They have six wings, all right? Cherubs also have wings. The seraphs also have wings. I think there's a book I'll recommend. Can you bring me that book? There's a book I'll recommend for you people to buy. Most of the things I'm talking about, you'll find part there, not everything there. Then the fourth kind of angel are the ordinary angels. They don't have wings. So the day you see Gabriel, he doesn't have wings. Michael and any other other angels, they don't have wings. I recommend this book. It was written by Pastor Benny Hinn. The title is Angels and Demons. Pastors, please, all of you buy one today. You need this one before a suit and a shoe, I tell you. All right, okay, so why am I talking about all these things? The Bible said, this guy we are reading about, he was what? The, not just the cherub, the anointed cherub. He was an angel who did what? Covered. Let's go on. He said, you were on the holy mountain of God, okay? That means the throne of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. This guy was really in the presence of God. He was one of the guys that's among the cherubs that protect the throne of God. He said, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So this person we are reading about, uh, he was very good, but one day the Bible said iniquity was found in him. Okay, let's go on. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Every description looks like a guy who was very powerful angel, anointed. That means he even inherited some power from God, and he stayed at the throne closely to God. The Bible said, by the abundance of your train, that means as a result of his good works as a cherub, God even gave him other assignments to perform by the abundance of your trading. But, and he began to perform. Later, I'll show you what that is, okay? <laughs> by the abundance of his responsibilities and duties and all that he was doing, pride entered. Evil began to conceive. And Bible, God said what? Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you. Now, who is this guy? Scripture interprets scripture. So one day, another prophet, under the inspiration of the Spirit, 
also began to prophesy. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 14 from verse 12. Okay. He said, how are you fallen from heaven? Doesn't you look at the same guy? The, the other guy, they said he was an anointed cherub. He was on a mountain of God. He was a, the cherub that covered. Iniquity was found in him. He was cast down. Then a prophet called Isaiah also began to prophesy. And he said, how are you fallen from heaven? For now, we know of only one guy who was fallen from heaven. Hallelujah. But this time, this prophet mentioned his name. And the name he mentioned was what? Lucifer. So there was an angel who was a cherub called Lucifer. The name Lucifer, it means day star. It means morning star. It also means the light bearer. So this angel had this name. It suggests to me that it was the guy that really, I mean, was the inspiration of, for the angels in, in heaven. He was a light bearer. Light bearer means the one who shows the way. He was so much in close with God that he could literally help other angels understand the things of God and the ways of God. And the Bible says he was created perfect in beauty. That means his appearance was out of this world. It was different from all the other ones. Created such in such a uniquely significant way. And the reason why God did that was so that everything about him would give glory to God. But later he began to take the glory for himself. How are you falling, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart. So, you know, Ezekiel 28 said that iniquity was found in his heart. But the Bible did not tell what caused that iniquity, Okay. So Isaiah began to explain what really happened. Are you understanding me up to now? Okay. He said, you have said in your heart. Where did he say it? In his heart. In his heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. That means this guy had a throne. Now I'll come back to explain to you that. I will exalt my throne above what? The stars of God. That means... The stars there means the angels. Angels are called stars in, in prophetic terminology. Angels are also sometimes called sons of God. I'll show you all that. Now, so I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. You know, Ezekiel 28 talks about the mountain of God. This man said, me too, I'll sit there. I'll exalt my throne to that place and I'll sit there. In other words... I will elevate my throne to become equal with God. Okay, verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I want to be like God. I want to be like God. I've served enough. I've served enough. How long will I continue to serve? I want freedom. I want to be on my own. I want to be worshipped. Now, let's finish the reading. Let me explain to you. Verse 15. He said, yet you shall be brought down to show to the lowest depths of the pits. Okay, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, okay? Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? Okay, so that's all. Verse 15. Now, listen, it's now making it clearer to us that we are arriving at the probable origin of Satan that he was created not as Satan. He was created as an angel. Okay? Now, 
we come to the New Testament, Jesus is talking to the disciples one day, and he makes a statement that it connects these two scriptures. You know what Jesus said? Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And he said to them, what did Jesus say to the disciples? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. <laughs> Amen. This is Jesus himself. Isaiah saw an angel by the name Lucifer. Ezekiel saw an angel. He didn't know his name. He said it was a covering cherub. Jesus gave it a name. He said, it was Satan that fell from heaven like lightning. Another that thing happened. Before he woke up, he was on the earth. Jesus said it wasn't any struggle. It wasn't a long fight. It was like a split of a second. You see lightning, the way it comes, like before another thing is dead. That's what happened to Satan. Before he woke up, he was on the earth. But not just cast on the, on the earth. Not just cast on the earth. Isaiah 14, verse 15. He was cast down to where? To show. The oak in James said hell. Hell, so Amplified gives him more names. So hell, Sheol, Hades, they all mean the same thing. We need to really understand. He said, you shall be brought down to Sheol, Hades, to the innermost recesses of the pit, the region of the dead. So where is hell? Hell came into existence after the fall. Now, pay attention. Before the fall, there was heaven and there was earth. So Genesis 1 verse 1 says what? Who can quote it from you? You don't need to read it. It says, oh, they have put it there already. In the, no, leave it, leave it. They've already seen it. They've already seen it. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. He didn't create hell. God created heaven and earth. Heaven is the spiritual place, okay? It is not a place in the sky. It's a dimension. From the physical, you enter the spirit realm. And heaven is a spiritual region occupied by God and his angels. Now, when Satan was cast down from heaven, he is still a spirit being, isn't it? Now, I'm going to show you that it was not only him that was cast down, but all the angels that supported him were cast down. And so the spirit realm where God exists could not contain Satan. So God had to demarcate a place that will be the abode of Satan and all the angels with him that is separated from heaven because he's a spirit being. So the fact that he's thrown out of heaven does not mean he can come and live on the earth as a physical being. He's still a spirit being. He's still a spirit entity. So where did he fall to? That is why Isaiah described where he was. Isaiah called it a pit. It's a region where God withdrew every light from. So it's called the region of darkness. So after the fall, now we don't have heaven and earth alone. Now we have heaven, earth, and where? Hell. Philippians 2 verse 10 says that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those where? In heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So now there comes an existence of a third place. It is called the region of darkness. Now, the book of Luke chapter 8.31 says something. Luke chapter 8.31. The Bible said Jesus was casting out a demon from a man. The man who had the 6,000 demons. Remember that guy? The, the guy who had a legion. This is what the demon said. And they begged him that he will not command them to go out into the abyss. 
Give me O King James. He said, they begged he, Jesus that he will not command them to go into the deep. In fact, I think NIV said the pit, or maybe amplify. So even the demons were testifying that there is a place they belong. Matthew 25, 41. Jesus even talked about, it, about hell. Matthew 20, 25, 41. Then he will say to those at his left hand, be gone from me, you cursed, into where? The eternal fire prepared for the devil and his. So God did not only cast Satan down, he located him at a place for suffering. The Bible said that Jesus referred to the place as the place of eternal fire. So why is hell? It is a place called the underworld. It's a region of darkness in the spirit realm where Satan and his angels. So Jesus is now talking about the devil and his angels were cast there. Okay, now let's read some more scriptures. Second Peter 2 from verse 4. Second Peter 2 from verse 4. For if God, you like this one, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, which angels sinned? Whose angels sinned? Can you tell me their names? Satan and then the other, their names are what? We don't know. <laughs> God did not spare the angels who sinned, but what did he do? He cast them down to where? Hell. He cast them down to hell and delivered them into what? Chains of darkness to be reserved for judgments. God cast them down to hell. But one day Jesus was teaching the disciples and he said that, let's go to Luke 16 from verse 22. Jesus said that it's not only Satan and his angels that are in hell. Even unbelievers, when they die, they go to hell. <laughs> they go to hell. He says, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. That means heaven. It's not wonderful that when you die, you won't go to and suffer. The rich man also died and was buried. Can you look at the, the contrast? When Lazarus died, what happened? He was carried by angels. He was carried by angels. To where? Abraham's bosom. The rich man died. No angels show up. Showed up. So when unbelievers die, angels don't show up. Who can guess what shows up? De demons. And what do they do? They carry him. They carry them. Look at where they carry them to. Verse 23. And be in torments in Hades. Where is Hades? Hell. This is Jesus teaching a parable. Being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. How did that happen? Because it's the same realm of the spirit. It's the same realm of the spirit, except that God has demarcated a place. It's full of darkness and suffering. But Jesus said, you can even be there and see heaven. He said, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham where? Far, far, not close by. And what was happening to the rich man? He was in torments. He was in suffering. So hell is a place of suffering. That's why you don't have to go there. It's real. It exists. If you believe in heaven, you must believe in hell too. And if you believe in God, you must believe that there's heaven. Because that's where he exists. And if you believe that there's Satan, you must believe there's hell. Verse 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. In hell... People are burning, but the fire doesn't consume their bodies. Because their body is not this physical body. It's a spiritual person. Burning continually, endlessly. Send a drop of water. Look at Abraham's response. But Abraham says, son. I, I, I wonder, how did Abraham call that guy son? 
He said, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. In other words, the distance from heaven to hell, he said, is so wide. So that nobody can pass from heaven to hell. Nobody can pass from hell to heaven. Everybody has a last stop. Once you get there, you are, that you are done. There's no change of location. You know, the Bible said that Jesus went to the underworld when he died. In the book of Ephesians 4, verse 8, it said, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean by that? He also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. This scripture is saying that before Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, he went to the underworld. Somebody will say, what did he go to do there? I think I'll give you the answer later. Is that okay? Let's go systematically. All right. So now we have established some um, basic knowledge and understanding about Satan. He was an angel created by God, not just an ordinary angel. He was a cherub. Um, I mean, very powerful being. But then he had a throne. So let's come back to the throne in Isaiah 14. Satan, because of his good works on the throne of God, God gave him other responsibilities. And one responsibility God gave him, which I'll show you in scripture, is that God gave Satan rulership over the earth. Listen attentively. These are things you may never have heard before. God gave Satan rulership over where? The earth. So he had a throne on the earth. That's why he said, I will exalt what? My throne. So somebody begin to ask a question. So what are you talking about? The earth existed before Adam. The earth existed before Adam. So humanity is 6,000 years old. The earth is longer than 6,000, older than 6,000 years old. You ask me how long is the earth, I don't know. It's been existing for a long time. We'll study more about that. So Satan had rulership over the earth and had a lot of angels who were under his control working with him. Now, when Satan was cast out of heaven, the first thing he did was that himself, together with all the angels, they destroyed the earth. The whole earth was destroyed. Give me Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The whole earth was destroyed. Rabbi said, in the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. I'll come to talk about this next week, is that there are different kind of heavens, is plural. So there are different kind of heaven. But God created what? The heavens and the earth, singular. Look at the next verse. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of what? The deep. Now, the question you ask is, is that the earth God created? The earth was without form. That means no form. That means what? Chaos. The whole earth was anyhow. Number two, void. The word void means empty. And darkness was covering the whole face of the deep. Now, is that the earth God created? That's the question you ask. Verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Verse 2 says, the whole earth was chaotic and empty. Is that what God created? My answer is simple. If that is what God created, then he would have left it like that. If that is the earth God created, then he should have left it like that, isn't it? Do you agree to my logic? Take me to verse 31, same chapter 1, 31. And the Bible said what? Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. So the evening and the morning was what? The sixth day. And the seventh day, what did God do again? 
He didn't do anything again. So by studying the system of creation, you should be able to conclude that what we see in Genesis 1 verse 2, that is not what God created. So it's not like God created something, then one time he will come and look at it and say, no, let me add some. Otherwise, the F could have still been going through different versions. Like, you know, some car company, every year they do improvement on a version. The F has never had another version apart from what has been created, isn't it? Yes. So that should tell us Genesis 1 verse 2 is a result of the fall of Satan. He destroyed everything. He destroyed everything and extended the darkness that was existing in hell, extended that darkness to cover the whole earth. Why? So that he will be, continue to rule over the earth. So the whole earth is flooded, no ground, no dry ground. The whole earth is flat. Then the whole earth is darkness. The whole earth is chaotic. And the whole earth is empty. That was what happened after Satan was cast down to the earth. But God said, I created the earth, so I recreate it. So the Bible said in verse 2, the Spirit of God began to move, and God began to create. Let there be light. Let the water move to one side. Let green grass come. Let trees. And then after everything, God then decided that I will create a being that is superior to angels. I will create a being that is superior in quality to angels. Because after Satan rebelled, I mean, it was difficult for God to trust any other angel. So he said, I will go beyond angels. I will create a being that is just like me, both in nature and in function. Let us make a man in our image and after our likeness. And that word man there, Genesis 1 and 26, let us make a man. It simply means let us make a human being, not male gender. A human being in our image and after our likeness. The word image means nature. The word likeness means mode of functioning. Let us make a human being that is in our image and likeness. And look at the purpose. Let them have what? Dominion. Rulership. Let me create a being that is like me and let him rule, take charge, govern over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, including Satan. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Verse 28. Saying, God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. Over what? The fish of the sea, over the best of the air, and over what? Every living thing that moves on the earth. So now, the earth is under the control of human beings. Hell is under the control of Satan. Heaven is under the control of God. Not on clap. Guess what Satan did? He said, no, I don't like the deal. I used to be the one in charge of the earth. I'm going to come back and claim the earth for myself. But he came and realized the person that is there is stronger than him. Adam was way stronger than Satan. He said, how do I know? Because Satan didn't try to fight him. Satan never tried to fight Adam. Just the same way as he didn't try to fight Jesus. When Satan met Jesus, all he did was tempt him. He didn't challenge him to a fight. Satan showed up in the garden only to realize, whoa, the guy there is in serious trouble. He said, well, but I'll find my way. And you know the rest of the story. Now, we go to Luke chapter 4, and we see what Satan said to Jesus. Luke chapter 4, from verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him what? All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. (laughs) 
made through satellite technology. He showed him from Australia to New Zealand, all the way down to Cape Town, east to west, north to south. He didn't expect that. Like Satan has finished showing. Satan had the whole world in his digitized satellite system. No, it's true. He knows everything going on everywhere in the world. Long before satellite technology came recently, Satan has been operating it. Now, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And then what did he say? And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Satan was telling Jesus that the earth is glory, all the kingdoms, all the authority. So if it was today, Jesus would have said, America, Russia, Putin, uh, China. He said, look, all the wealth and the riches of the world, all the oil mines of Saudi Arabia and the Arabian lands, all the gold mines in South Africa, all the diamond mines of uh, every, all the riches, he said, is mine. But I didn't create them. It was what? Given to me. And I give it to whoever I like on one condition. You bow down and you worship me. Now, question, if I bow to you and you give it to me, I am still under your control. By implication, the thing is actually not mine. It is like saying, pastor, give me one million and I will become your slave. That one million is not yours. Because I give you the one million, you sign. From today, I'm the slave of Pastor Hubert. After you finish signing, I said, give me the money back. And you are under obligation to give it to me. Because why? Because you are now my slave. Because when you, are, when you are a slave to somebody, the person has a right to tell you anything and you do it. He's a smart guy. Don't underestimate the intelligence of Satan at all. Satan tells you he's a fool. Or he's a, he's a, he's a, he doesn't know anything. You are, you are joking. Go and ask Adam. He will tell you, hey, that Aquano, he's, he's a serious thing. He beat Adam to it completely and almost did it to Jesus. Almost. But for now, I'm trying to say, Satan came back and took authority that God gave Adam. He took that authority that God gave Adam to rule the earth. Satan came back and took it and began to rule the earth and began to rule human beings. So when Jesus came, Jesus came to deal with the right that gave Satan authority over the earth. And that was what? Sin. Jesus came to pay the price for sin, not only to save us, but to also take that authority that Adam lost. That is why he went to hell, to face Satan. That is why he went to hell. I'll, I'll show you one scripture. I soon want to bring my teaching to a close for today. We'll continue next week. Have you learned something? Yeah, that's why it's good to go to a good church. You can't hear these ones in every church. Okay, Revelation 1, 18. Revelation 1 from verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet there as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Who do you think is talking? Who do you think is talking? Jesus, okay? Verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Okay, so Jesus... When he died, in, according to Ephesians 4 verse 9, the Bible said, before he ascended to heaven, he descended to the lower parts of the earth. He went to hell and he said, Satan, what gave you the right to take rulership over the earth? I've paid for it. So now hand over the keys. Yeah. From the day Jesus said, finished on the cross, 
Satan lost his right of authority over the earth. Satan lost the right to rule the earth. So today, Satan does not have the right to rule the earth unless, unless Christians allow him. Now, Satan's activity on earth oppresses to the extent that Christians allow him. I'll explain more about that. But let me bring you back to the fall. Now, what happened when Satan deceived Adam and Eve to sin? God cursed Satan, isn't it? Or you are not sure. Let's read it in the scripture. Genesis, Genesis 3, 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, look at this. Because you have done this, you are what? Cursed. When Satan was cast from, the, from heaven to the earth, God did not curse him. This time around, God cursed him. And what was the curse? He said, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. Satan was reduced in status even below animals. That means animals have more value before God than Satan. He said, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Let's go on. <laughs> and I will put this where I want you to pay attention, okay? Because this one too, you probably haven't heard it before. And I will put enmity between you and who? The woman. And between your seed and her seed. Let's go on. And he shall bruise your head. Who shall bruise your head? The seed of the woman will what? Bruise your head. And you will be able to bruise his heel. So there will be bruising. But it depends on where he's being bruised. Now, how many of you know that when a human being's feet is bruised, it's not as harmful as when a snake's head is crushed? Now, when a snake's head is crushed, it's dead, isn't it? So what God actually was talking about was a serious thing. And Satan paid attention to it. Satan paid attention. The seed of the woman will crush my head. Let's do something about that. If you were Satan, what would, what would want to try to prevent the seed of the woman? The seed of the woman. You have to prevent, isn't it? Yeah. So this is how Satan did it. Satan caused his fallen angels to begin to manifest like human beings, having sex with women, all women on the land. And they began to give birth to half-human, half-demon beings. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and their daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, when the Bible said the sons of God, they look at who? The daughters of men. So you see that there's a, a discrepancy, isn't it? Uh -huh. The sons of God, daughters of men. Now, I've taught before that in the whole of the Old Testament, nobody ever called himself a child of God. How many of you remember? Because under the Old Testament, until Jesus died, people did not relate with God as a father. Now, but there are many places in the Bible where angels were called the sons of God. I'll show you one because of time. Is that okay? Let's go to Job chapter 1 from verse 5. Job 1, 5. I'm sure those of you who, were, who are reading the Bible, you would have come across some in Isaiah um, 6. Now, there was a day, look at this, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So, the Bible says the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and it's referring to angels. It's referring to angels. 
angels came to present themselves before God, and Satan also showed up. The rest of the story, you know it. I'm just trying to let you know that there are places in the Old Testament when the Bible referred to sons of God, it's referring to what? It's referring to... So we come back to our scripture in Genesis chapter 6. Let's finish up with Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. It says what? Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for all for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Can we read verse 2 again? Verse 2. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Okay, let's go on. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years old. There were, what? Giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So the whole earth began to get corrupted. Now, go to Jude, and I'll show you that this was referring to angelic activity. Go to the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 6. Jude actually has only one chapter. Look at it. Look at it, everybody. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain. Now, what does it mean, domain? Their status. What are they? Spirit beings. They are not supposed to manifest human nature, let alone have sex with human beings. So they did not keep their proper domain, okay, but left their what? Own abode. He has what? Reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Look at verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them in a similar manner to this, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. So you see, the Bible is describing the angels' behavior in verse 6 to Sodom and Gomorrah who practiced sexual immorality and went after strange flesh. Strange flesh means they are not the same beings, okay? Strange flesh means... Spirit beings with um, a body sleeping with human beings. My argument in Genesis chapter 6, okay, that it was fallen angels given assignment by Satan to sleep with women. Now, the question is why? Because Satan wanted to make sure that seed of the woman who will be born and come and crush my head, he will never show up because every seed of a woman who will show up is evil. The Bible said they were giants and they were evil. They were, in, you know, when you read Bible commentary, Bible historians, they said, these people, they were so wicked, so evil. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. I want to show you something. Okay, look at that. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Suddenly, the whole earth had become very evil, very evil. Why? Because majority of the people that were existent were all demonic, possessed, evil. He said, the very intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is beyond human wickedness. This one is another world. And it was all Satan's strategy to make sure that prophecy they gave about him. They said, the seed of a woman will crush your head. Satan's plan is that I'll make sure it does not happen. So God decided to destroy the earth. And that's what I bring today's teaching to close. Next week, I'm going to teach you 
how the demons came into existence. Then we're going to look at the structure of the demonic kingdom. Look at what are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. But all right, so today we have learned a very important lesson about the origin of Satan and the trend of affairs. And, and next week, I will also begin to talk about the role of the church. At the end of the day, we all know what happened at the flood. When God destroyed the earth, every one of those wicked people were destroyed, except the family of Noah. And why did God preserve the family of Noah? Because he was looking for a pure lineage through whom the Savior will come. And God found that in Noah, not even among his children, because it is believed that even some of the children were not very pure. But God made a covenant with Noah, and through him we have um, the plan of God for salvation manifesting. And you are now regaining our rightful authority. And next week I'm going to teach you about your authority as a believer and the place of Satan and how God has given you authority over the works of the devil. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.